Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. So, um, we've been on this thing I want to continue somewhat. I'm going to actually read this morning out of John 4, so if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to John 4. We're going to read out of a very familiar story. I, I believe that Yahweh has put me on an assignment. It's, it's what I feel like I'm called to do, is to try to make things that are familiar unfamiliar. Um, I feel like that's why sometimes we go to some of these these Bible uh, stories or scriptures that we've heard a million times before. But I think if you'll ever go back and really look at it, you can see it new again. And I think the worst thing we can ever do as kingdom sons and, and daughters is, is stay stagnant, is to just assume that we have it. Even if we had it, like I said this morning, there's another degree there's another depth we can go to. So I want to read out of that, but before we do, I want to continue in this theme of waiting. Um, I, I said last week that I believe that Yahweh has us in a place, specifically this place, but I, I believe kingdom sons and daughters, in a place of waiting. And in the natural, waiting means something that's very frustrating most of the times. It produces anxiety, it produces uh, stress, doubt, worry, but biblical waiting, I know this is review for some people, but it needs to be reviewed. This is very, I believe, very important for us to get. But biblical waiting produces strength, right? In Psalms 27, the Bible tells us to wait on the Lord, and he will renew our strength, Right? In Isaiah 40, it says that those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength, that they'll run and not grow weary, they'll walk and not grow faint. There's a, there's a, there's a difference in the word wait in the natural and how we see it and the word wait in the spirit and by the Bible and when the Bible tells us to wait on the Lord, what that actually means, what that actually looks like and what that actually produces. Because anytime I hear wait and I hear someone say, yeah, we need to wait on the Lord, naturally I get a little bit frustrated. I know you do too. It, it, the idea of waiting for anything is very fresh. I'm kind of a, let's do it now. I get excited about it, let's go, let's go, let's go. In this day and age, this world is absolutely pushing people to make a stance, to do something, to act, to act, to react, to act. And I know that Yahweh is calling his sons and daughters in a place of wait. Be still, wait. And we need to understand this word wait. I, I brought up three definitions. I don't usually do the whole crowd inclusion, but, but who, who, who can tell me one of them? I knew that was going to be the first one. I knew it. Whirl in the dance. Because it's so contrary to what waiting means to us. To whirl in the dance. How in the world can Wait mean to whirl in the dance. And, and the, the idea here we use is that uh, David, David, we all know him as a worshiper and a praiser and all he did in the temple and, and he was all about worship. He was, all a, he was a psalmist. He was all, that's how we see him, a warrior but a psalmist at heart. And it says in Samuel that David danced with all his might. 
This, con- this, is, this is crazy to think about, to think about someone dancing with literally, when, when he says all my might, it doesn't mean I danced really hard and I was, it means I, with everything, every fiber of my being, I danced. But if you read on in that passage, you realize it says, it, it make, the Bible decides that it need, the author there says that they need to say, and he was in his ephod. So what the picture is, if you understand the ephod, again, I know I'm reviewing, stay with me on this. The ephod in David's day was a, was a symbolic thing where he would, in his situation, there's plenty of reasons or pl- plenty of, uh, uh, of theological you know, descriptions of the ephod and what it was for. But if you read about David, David used his ephod as a thing to set himself apart. When every time there would be a circumstance or a situation, if you'll read in in David's biggest conflicts, David found a place to set himself apart. And it always symbolized that by David saying, bring me my ephod. He had his entire tribe against him, wanting to kill him because all all the women and children had been taken and these guys wanted to kill David, and he, and he sets himself apart from this situation, puts on his ephod, and comes out with some of the most uh, wise, strategic battle moves you could ever imagine. It's that in and out lifestyle, but David danced with all his might in the ephod, and what that says to me is that David was in the midst of a circumstance David was in the mid, it wasn't like things are all good, so I'm dancing before the Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for making me king. David is in a place of turmoil, and he's dancing with all of his might. And it's the first description of waiting. To whirl, meaning to spin yourself around like a hurricane. To dance with all your might. That is waiting. What's number two? To bind together. Ever want you go up and describe that one? Joking, joking, joking. <laughs> to bind together. This, uh, this is the, the the picture here is how a rope is is becomes a rope. That there's threads that are pulled together, braided together, to where they become strong, separate. They're kind of flimsy, but together they become super strong. And it's actually a word, this is the first part where you see that weight is so much like the word hope. And, and this, this particular part, this particular description of the word weight is tikva, which is the word used for hope when the Bible says, quiet my soul, my hope is in the Lord. And what he's saying there is that quiet my soul, my tikva, my rope, what binds me to heaven is in Yahweh. I am tied to him and I cannot be separated. This is where even it talks about I'm a prisoner of hope, it says in Zechariah. It, it's, it's an idea that I'm so bound that the only way, I'm so bound to the, to the idea of hope. I'm so bound to heaven. I'm so bound to, to Yahweh and his promises that I'm actually a prisoner to that concept. Like I cannot be separated from that. I'm bound by tikva. I am hopeful. And so when it says to bind together, this is what I really believe, this waiting thing, the reason he has us in waiting. What I'm experiencing with a lot of you who I've had conversations with is a new binding together as a people. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's that we're being, 
wound together, tied together through intercession, through having hearts for others. I've heard so many people say to me, I have a heart for people like I never have. I don't know what it is that Holy Spirit's doing in this time, but it, it just, it seems like in this day, in this age, there's something tying me, binding me together with others in a way I've never experienced before. And I believe that this is waiting. This is what starts to happen when you, when you wait. You have a whirl in the dance, meaning that you're worshiping even in the midst of circumstance. You come to a place where you're bound together with others, but also with Yahweh. That hope that you come into a place where you see, you see not just what's in front of you, not just the circumstance, but you see how he sees because you are intertwined with him, threaded together. The fibers of who we are is Yahweh, is Yeshua, is Holy Spirit. That's who we are. We're so bound together. That's what starts to happen in waiting. And then what's the third? Close. It's, it's close to joyful expectation. That's actually the definition of hope is a joyful expectation for good, which wait is so, like I said, it's so closely related to hope. It actually means to look upon with expectation. If you think about Romans 8, when it says uh, most translations now say that the earth is waiting for the sons of and daughters to be revealed. Most translations now say the earth is on tiptoe. So there's such a, there's a picture of literally leaning on tiptoe, so, so ex- expectant, so excited about what might take place, of what is going to take place. It's not with hope. It's not a Hail Mary. It's not a wish. It's not a hope and a prayer, as we'd call it in today's, today's terms. It is, it's something that is, that as kingdom sons and daughters, we have such a joyful expectation. We look upon with expectation, is what wait means, to be on tiptoe, to be on ready for what Yahweh's going to do. So even in the midst of everything swirling around, where everybody is telling us to react, to act, to move, to do it right now. I just feel this shushing, reminding us, remember that when I keep saying to, to shush, is it, the idea is like a, a baby. When you have a baby, you shush them to sleep. But the shushing is actually a reminder to them of a world which they came from. That's what brings them peace because in the mother's womb, there's this sound, And, there's, and, and when the baby comes into this world and you shush them, there's some peace that comes over them that reminds them of a world that they came from. And so I feel Yahweh bringing us as people, as sons and daughters, back into a place where we are being shushed in the waiting. In, in, our, in, our, in our posture of worship, in us binding together as a tribe, as sons and daughters, with not only the, each other, but with Yahweh, deeper than we ever have. And with us knowing in that place that there is a, there is a expectation for Yahweh to move on our behalf because he's good. And that is the only lens I need to look from is that he is good. And so if I know he is good, it doesn't matter what situation, what circumstance, anything financially health anything, relation, relationships, there has got to be a place where we come to wait, to set ourselves apart, to understand that he is good. And that posture brings us into a place where we can be expectant of what's going to happen. 
It's not stagnant. It's active. When he says to wait, it doesn't mean to sit down and do nothing. It means to dance with all your might. It means to come into these situations with a heart already stirred, ready to worship Yahweh. With your words, with your actions, with your posture. It seems so trivial, but I, but I, I genuinely believe that even getting here at 10 a.m., being here at 10 a.m., it's not going to happen every week, but make that the, that, that the, make the standard 945. Uh, that seems like, I know, if you see that in the natural, that seems ridiculous. Okay, we get here at 10, man, like that's what time we've always started, exactly. What if a people came together and it was 9.45, and we were so stirred that guess what? We didn't start at 10. We started at 9.50. <laughs> what if there was such a demand from the streams here that this river started flowing before we ever got into the message, before I ever had to get up here and do my inspirational, like, rally the troops thing, that we just had a posture that said Yahweh has us here for an absolute purpose. In every single situation, in every single thing that I'm going through, is so insignificant in this moment. Because he is so significant in this moment. In every moment. But when we come together, there's got to be such a stirring. There's got to be a new posture. There's got to be a looking upon with expectation. Why? Because we owe it to the earth. The earth is looking upon us with expectation. Not waiting in, in the sense of the natural where it's saying like, when? When, when are these sons and daughters actually going to be revealed? Because, I mean, they, look at this. They've got racial issues. They've got political issues. They've got this virus running rampant that nobody will take care of. There's hatred. People don't want to come to church anymore. They don't care about any of that. The earth is waiting, meaning that it is whirling in a dance. That it's starting to bind together with us as sons and daughters, with Yahweh and his hope that's in us. Seeing us as he sees us, starting to recognize the DNA because we all came from the same place, the same creator. And maybe the earth is looking at us as brothers and sons and daughters and it sees something that it recognized. I remember a man that walked the earth that was like the son of God and now I see that in Eva Gerles and I am waiting, meaning I am on tiptoe yeah. waiting for her to step into this fullness of who she really is and I'm starting to see it so I'm on tiptoe. Not frustrated, that's waiting in the natural. Not frustrated, annoyed, Not sick of it, not over it, not it. Of course, there they go messing up again. There they go with the wrong mindset again. There they go with all their sin and all their weight and junk and everything, anxiety. There they go again. No, 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 no. It's not how Yahweh sees you. It's not how you were created. And it's not how the earth in Romans 8, standing on tiptoe, is looking at you when it says, wait. 
There is a joyful expectation. There is a hope stirring. So when I speak about all this, this is not avoidance to the current circumstances that swirl around us. Ultimately, we're, we're to walk right into those circumstances. We are actually meant to be the agents that change these circumstances. It actually is the hope that's within us. That's Yahweh, that's Yeshua within us. That's the hope of glory. We are the hope. We are the answer. The problem is, is like we talked about this morning, is that I believe that Yahweh is absolutely not going to allow us to move forward, to be changers, to, to, to change the landscape, if we don't first wait and get his perspective on the whole situation. It's not avoidance. It's just that he, doesn't, he knows that you going out there swinging your political stance is not going to change a thing. It's going to add to the problem. And he is calling a people, this is what I've been hearing, he's calling a people to such a place of holiness that they actually start to bear the image. This, we say this and people say this and it's like whatever. But do you realize the same spirit? Not, 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 not a copy. It's truth. It's all there's, no, there's not in the kingdom, in the Bible when it says something, there's not a little bit of truth and a little bit of untruth. It is truth, period. And it says that it's the same spirit that lives within us, that rose Christ Yeshua from the dead. It's the same one. It says that it is Christ within us that is the hope of goodness, that is the hope of glory. It says he is within us. And we're within him. And he within the Father. And the Father within him. And there's this binding together going on. There's a picture of us binding together and seeing things for how they really are. For how they really are. Like, this is, this is where I feel like Yahweh's taking me, is like shaking me and saying, like, this, this is not real. That what you see in front of you is not my truth. Don't engage in that. Wait, wait, wait. I want to show you something. I so desire for you to walk in the fullness of who you are. And every single time that you feel the need to make this stance and to join up with some political move, I know every single week I'm talking about this, but I'll continue to talk about this every single week. Because this is the whole point. We're in the midst of circumstance and he is trying to give us an ephod. He is trying to give us the opportunity to put on an ephod and to truly wait on the Lord. It doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. I have an opinion. In the natural, I lean certain ways. In the natural, I have opinions on the coronavirus, on politics. I have those opinions. It's not wrong, but you're not going to hear him come out of this mouth in this day. The reason being is because he didn't tell me to go. He told me to wait. And so my focus, my perspective is all on him because one day there's going to be a day that he says go. Ultimately, that is the deal. We walk right into the midst of it. And so in John 4, what I want, what I want to, to look at this morning is a situation where Yeshua walks right into all of some of the, pretty much all the same things we deal with today, if you have eyes to see. 
That's the excuse to say that if you don't understand me, I'm still right. That's what most preachers I've learned to say. If you have ears to hear and eyes to see. But do we understand? Are are y'all getting what I'm saying about this waiting thing? Like I'm not just trying to define something to make you just look at it different. I believe that this is what Holy Spirit is speaking to this house and this people. It's the word of the Lord. It is, it, is, it is reality to wait. To wait. To wait. To bind together. For us to come together like we've never come together before. For us to worship like we've never worshipped before. for us to look upon what Yahweh's doing with expectation and stop seeing it through this negative lens. These are the greatest days of our lives. And I will say, if you have eyes to see. Depends on what lens you're looking from. Depends on what perspective we have. Depends on if we believe in scriptures saying like the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. It, It depends on what your actual goal is. Because I see this day in this time as the greatest opportunity we've ever had. And I just want to be different. And I don't mean just different just to be weird. I mean, I want to be peculiar, set apart, holy unto Yahweh. And I really want to bear, I want a people to bear the image, to show the love of Yeshua. That's what we're called to do. So let's jump in here. John 4. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. As I do a lot, but this is pretty close to the original. So, 4.1 says, Soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders, known as the Pharisees, that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. Although Jesus didn't baptize, but he had his disciples baptize the people. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea, returning to the province of Galilee, and he had to pass through the Samaritan territory. So just to give you a little bit of geography from the Bible here, is that Yeshua is going from Judea to Galilee. So Judea, southern, Galilee, northern, and right smack dab in the middle of that is Samaria. Okay, and then and then the Bible says that in verse two or verse three towards the end, and he had to pass through Samaritan territory. Yeshua didn't have to do anything. Like he's Yeshua, and if you know and if you know anything about this about this story here, which you might know a lot about it, but just hear it again. Historically, in, in, in 722 B.C., the northern portion of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, was overthrown by the Assyrians. And when they overthrew them, what would, they would do is they would take their brightest. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, and Daniel. 
they would take their brightest and they would replace with foreigners. The idea there was that if they put foreigners in there, they, the, the lessers would start to uh, marry and intermingle their seed and become a completely different culture and mess everything up. So they wouldn't just conquer that day, but they would conquer for generations. So what they did is they, they came in, the Assyrian, uh, Assyrians came in, overthrew them, and they, they, uh, they left behind some foreigners. Well, the Jews and the, the foreigners intermarried, and they produced Samaritans, what they call Samaritans. And Jews completely saw these people as, as uh, disgusting. If I come near them, I will be impure. I'll be unclean. They were... Their, their whole culture, everything, they could not even stand the sight of them. And they would, they were, they hate, both sides hated each other. And the thing about Samaritans is that their religion, they kind of adopted some things from the Jews, but then they also had pagan beliefs. So there were this, uh, this mixture, this mixed seed idea of, of, of people, and they were hated by the Jews. So most people, when they would go, for, most Jewish people, when they were going from Judea to Galilee, which was a trek they would make a lot of times, they would go around Samaria, even though it was longer. They would go around Samaria because they did not want to first lose their lives in Samaria, secondly, come into contact with somebody and become completely unclean. So when the Bible says he had to, the word there is actually day. It's a Greek word that means to be necessary. It's used seven other times in the book of John, every single time referring to divine necessity. So Yeshua didn't have to walk through Samaria. Yeshua only did what he first saw his father do. Yeshua was on a divine appointment. He wasn't looking for convenience. It wouldn't be a good idea for him in the natural to walk through that territory. But Yeshua had a divine appointment that he was not going to miss. So day, it means to be necessary. So Jesus, this is verse 5, Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. That might sound like nothing to you unless you've been here, but there's scholars that believe that this land, which is in Shechem, is the same place where Abram first encountered Yahweh. The same certain place where Jacob dreamed. And the same certain place where Joseph randomly found himself in Shechem, and there was a man who directed him on his generational assignment. This was that land. That's why the Bible mentions this. And now it's a, it's, a, it's a land where Yeshua has a divine appointment. So Yeshua uh, arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was, ready, it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. One thing I have not mentioned. Yeshua, let me, I just want you to see how inconvenient this was for Yeshua. 
Samaria was the easiest path to walk through, not naturally in the sense of, you know, everything he would encounter, but directionally, it was right through to Galilee. However, Sikar, which is right by Shechem, is 40 miles outside of his way. So he decides to walk through Samaria, but instead, it wasn't like all of a sudden along his way, there was Sikar. Yeshua walked in and by the direction of the spirit within him goes 40, mi- 40 miles. Like, hear this, 40 miles. Most of us would be upset if we had to drive that out of our way. He walks 40 miles to Sikar, to this certain place. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Are you serious? Do I need to move up or what is going on? Yeah, that's true. That's fair. So first issue here, he comes in at verse 9, he says, Surprise, she said, this is the woman's response to him, Why would a Jewish man ask for a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? She's Samaritan and she's a woman. Jesus replied, If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. Is that my course sheet over there? Is it written on? This song that, uh, that they sang today, I Love Your Presence, Yahweh gave me a revelation about this song as I, was, as I was singing it, as Jonathan was singing it for us. I wrote this song years ago, and it was in a, a time and a place in my life where I, I did not know what I needed or what I wanted, but I knew that there was, it, it wasn't even really my desire. It's just a song that came out of me that I started to sing about, I Love Your Presence. I love your presence. And the first verse just came to me. In the second verse, I sat there. I was, I was actually on our back, our balcony at the time that looked over the water, and I just felt this breeze. And I just, and I just wrote this line that said, fresh breeze from the waters, and I know that I'm home, which didn't sing too good to everybody because not everybody comes from places where there's this, they know the Gulf breeze. They know that, that feeling that so many of us know here. But as I was singing it, Yahweh started to show me what I actually wrote about in those days was living water. It's a fresh breeze from the water. I feel like I keep going to these historical things, but this is what this this story is just shaking things up in me. Living water, when he says living water, he's talking about how they viewed water in the day. It wasn't a stagnant pool. It was a moving spring that came from the ground. And the the Hebrews actually believed, Jews believed that that water, the spring that it came out of, was the presence of Yahweh. It wasn't, they, they didn't have that everywhere. But when they found a spring, they would baptize people in there because it was living water. It was from Yahweh himself. So I believe in this, in, this, in this portion when he starts to talk about living water, I want you to have that perspective. You'd ask for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this 
living water. Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if, you, if anyone drinks the living water I give them, then they will never thirst again and will forever be satisfied. Look at what she says. Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? He's challenging, she is challenging him with her past, with someone, an ancestral thing where someone dug a well. This well is not a spring-fed well. It's rain-fed. It's, it's a, naturally a rain-fed well. It's, if the rain comes down, stagnant, but that's what they had to drink, and it was what their ancestors built for them, Jacob himself. And so she's challenging Yeshua. She's missing the presence of who's right in front of her by declaring about a day that was in the past. He's trying to give her something living, and she's holding on to the only thing she knows that's sacred in her world. It seems small, but it's why sometimes things have to change. It's why sometimes we have to do something different. It's why in one day a hat's not accepted, and today a hat is accepted. Seems little, and it's laughable, but it's for real. Things have to change. We cannot miss what's right in front of us based on the past. Thankful, but not stuck. Thankful, but not stuck. It, it, the, in Jacob's well fed so many, it gave water to so many people. He dug it out of faithfulness in a land that Yahweh gave him and he gave to his son Joseph. It wasn't a bad thing, but when Yeshua steps into the picture, he's there to change everything. So 33 or 13 says, Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks from the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Let's read that again. 13 said, Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. I, I, I'm trying to relate this to today because this is how I see it. If you drink, if you drink from what was, that does not mean, hear me, I'm not saying like apostles specifically. I'm talking about the things that you knew as truth yesterday. If that's what you are bound and determined to drink from and you can't see the well and drink from Yeshua, the spring of life, you will stay in the same place. And I feel this so strongly, Yahweh trying to shake this people up and to come. I, I just, I, today I visually see Yeshua sitting at the well, an invitation. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit 
springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. In other, way, in other words, the Bible said all that, but technically what she said is prove it, right? Technically, she's just saying, she hasn't come off and said, oh, you're the Messiah or anything. She's just saying, okay, show me, prove it. And Yeshua says this, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said. For you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. I saw this wrong. And I believe that probably everybody in this room sees this part wrong. Yeshua is not revealing her sin. Again, I want to make familiar unfamiliar. In this culture, a woman could not divorce a man. Women didn't divorce men. Polygamy was legal in Jesus' day, and marriage was such a whatever thing that they actually, men could just, they could just be divorced. In fact, there's a time, if you know, in Matthew where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees, and, he's, and they ask him, they're always testing him, y'all know this, shocker, he's always being tested by the Pharisees, and they say to him, is it legal, is it lawful for a man to divorce a, his wife? And Yeshua makes a statement referring back to Genesis of how he made man and woman in his image, and he, he desired that they come together. So what Yahweh brought together, let no man separate, and his disciples' response was, well, then it would be better for a man not to marry a woman. That's what they said. These stories didn't come from today. There was a completely different moral attitude, a completely different set of rules back then. And if you understand that, then you understand that this woman is not dealing with sin as much as she's dealing with rejection. She's a Samaritan, inbred, no, just a mix of all these different things. And she has this Jewish man sitting here telling her once again of all the things that are bad in her life and, and reminding her that she's a Samaritan, he's a Jew, she's a woman, she's all defensive. And so he brings up this fact that you've, you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. What does that mean? Does it mean that she's in fornication? Or does it mean that the man she's with refuses to marry her because she's rejected by not only the Jews, not only the Samaritans, but men in her culture have rejected her to the point that she feels hopeless, worthless. And you'll see later on in the story, she has to, the reason she's there at noon is because her, she's so hated in that culture. She's so seen as cast away and rejected that she can't even travel at the same times as the other women. So she has to come in the heat of the day, where most women are coming in the morning or in the late afternoon. She's not allowed to come. She's not supposed to be there by herself. They didn't travel by themselves, not in this day. They traveled together. So she's there by her, herself. The woman said, this is verse 19, 
you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship God here on a nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right? Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come for you. The time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. You see, the frustration for this woman is you Jews say that I'm wrong because I don't worship where you worship, how you worship, do what you do. But we're trying to worship him over here in this mountain, but that's not right either. And I'm trying to be married, but I can't be married because I'm rejected. And I'm in a mess and have no idea what's right. And Yeshua gives her this drink of water. He gives her this drink of water. He says, there's coming a day where it's not going to be about the mountain. Where it's not going to be about the temple. It's going to be about your heart. It's going to be about the living spring, the living water that's within your heart. Do you understand, like, if you really see this woman in the rejection that she faced, in the confusion in which she lived in in that day, to hear someone say something like that, her ear all of a sudden just started to perk up. There's a refreshing coming. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is spirit. God is not black. He is not white. He is not male. He is not female. He is not Republican. He is not Democrat. God is spirit. That word is breath or wind. Meaning you can't contain it. And you can't make a rule book out of it. God is spirit. And he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of spirit and in truth. Both concepts bring about freedom in the Bible. The truth will set you free, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this, this, what Yeshua is doing with this woman, in the midst of racial turmoil, political turmoil, and religious turmoil, is Yeshua, with the right perspective a heavenly perspective because he knows how to wait on the Lord is stepping right into the middle of all of these circumstances and not giving her the same political view that everybody else is giving them. He starts to talk to her about something she's never heard about. He starts to talk to her about living water rising up from within you. And this, what I carry, you can carry too. God is spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers worship and adore him in the realm of spirit and in truth. 
The woman said, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah, and, he come, and when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Still not convinced, Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you, and I am the one you are looking for. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman. At this point, he's got the attention of his disciples who don't know how to treat marriage in, our, in their own thinking. And they see a Samaritan and a woman. And also absolutely illegal in those days is to teach a woman. And Yeshua is breaking every single barrier in front of their faces, in the middle of the circumstances. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. In other words, this is the first time that we see an evangelist step on the scene, a woman. In fact, this is the first time Yeshua reveals himself as the Messiah to anybody. He chooses someone who is absolutely, completely visually unqualified for his duty, but he says what he's anointed to do. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The breath of the Lord is upon me. And he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Not talking about financial status. That's not really his style. He's talking about those that are brokenhearted. Those that feel rejected. Those that don't quite see things the way that everybody else sees things. Don't do things the way everybody else is doing things. They're a little bit different. And Yeshua says, I'm coming after them. What's the point here this morning? Is this a good story? Yes, it's a great story. But you remember what we talked about in the very beginning. It's Christ within us, the hope of glory. So when we read stories like this, there has got to be some sense of responsibility. There has got to be some sense There's got to be some sense of weight to a story like this. To know that we are called not to, not to just sit around and just wait, but what he's doing in the waiting is changing our perspective to get us into a place that today is in the midst of racial, political, and religious turmoil and say, I'm sending my anointed ones to find those that have no idea what's going on right now, have no idea where they stand. And if that is you today, first off, wait. Secondly, come to me. I want to pray for you after this. But we're called to be different. We're called to look for, listen to me, do not forget about divine appointments. Day. I believe that in this day, Yahweh is bringing back some divine appointments for those that will lift up their heads. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Why? The King of glory wants to come through you. Jonathan sang it this morning. Come in and through me, rivers of living water. 
Yeshua says in John 7, let all who are thirsty come unto me and drink. And out of your innermost being will become rivers of living water. We did a, I guess you'd call it an exercise a couple Christmases ago where we bought Walmart gift cards. Y'all remember this? We bought Walmart gift cards, gave them to everybody. And the idea was that if you have something to give that you have to give, your eyes are going to be looking for a person to give that to. And I think it would be wise for us to realize that we don't need a Walmart gift card, though that's a good exercise and practice to go about and brought so many testimonies. But what we have within us is exactly what the world needs. And it doesn't look like our cultural righteousness or our cultural morality. It looks like one set apart, peculiar, different from the current culture. It's what Yeshua did, and it's what we need to expect to do in this day. Y'all go ahead and stand with me. Hey, Jonathan, I know you guys take, y'all should not take your packs off. Y'all need to keep them on. Could y'all play? I want y'all to uh, just come up here and play for a minute. I believe that in this day, he's refusing to allow us to move forward. That he's refusing really to allow us, this, this might sound weird, but to become effective. It might be why sometimes we have confusion in where we stand on certain issues or where we feel things are going to go or should I wear a mask or should I not wear a mask? Am I being inconsiderate or am I not being in, or am I being considerate? Am I just, am I, am I making a stance? Am I being right, standing up for what I believe in and my freedom? What's going to happen if Donald Trump doesn't get elected again. That was the prophecy. I pray for Donald Trump. I pray that he has wisdom and that he has, that he has a, a, an encounter of the Lord. Not once, but every single day. And I also pray that Nancy Pelosi has an encounter with the Lord. And that Joe Biden has an encounter with the Lord. And that this people sees this thing for what it really is. It's not that we're meant to avoid those circumstances. We're meant to be plugged right in the middle of them. But it's not going to take place. Yahweh's not going to allow us to move forward. He is not going to allow us to be effective without the right perspective. Without those that are truly willing to wait on him. These stories about Yeshua, read them and know that those are meant to be you. Yeshua came not only to cleanse us from our sins and do all the things that people preach about all the time, but he also came to show that we are to walk as a man that's in this world, but not of it. That walks as the answer that draws all men to him. He's within you, he's within me. And I want this people to feel the responsibility because if we feel that responsibility, it will cause us to have to be in a place called secret in a place called holy to get our source from living waters and not stagnant waters like Google and Instagram and CNN and Fox but from living waters that are within you within me and you are not rejected 
If there's someone in this today, it's not really was my intention of, of that part of the story, but if there's anything within you that feels a little bit of a degree of rejection, you are not rejected, not by Yeshua and not by this tribe. I desire this place to be a place that people can call home, that people can feel the presence of Yahweh, that people can see people that are bound together in love, loving each other, that represent Yeshua, that represent Yeshua, that bear the image of Christ. It's what we're called to do. So if you feel rejection, I'm just ask, I ask everybody just, I know this seems religious, bow your heads, close your eyes. If there is a spirit, and I mean a degree, I, I said that I, I visually see Yeshua sitting at the well this morning. That's what I, that's what prophetically I see. I see Yeshua sitting down at the well, and he's telling you this. I went 40 miles out of my way. I came into enemy territory to break that mindset, not for everybody, for you. So as a witness, I just want you to lift your hand. If you feel that rejection, if you have felt that rejection, if you don't feel completely all in, If you're confused about the circumstances that swirl around you. If you don't know really where you stand on either side, I want you to raise your hand. Not not for me. Yeshua is sitting at the well this morning. Offering us living water. Living water is going to start to rise up with those that, this is his promise. You draw near to him. You sit down at that well and you drink from him. And it's not going to be about the rain that falls. It's going to be about the spring of abundance that rises up within you. Your deep well, not what someone yesterday dug. That was good. He's talking about the living waters today. The living waters that are rising up. So I speak over you. That spirit of rejection is gone today drink from him this morning that spirit not maybe gone it's gone today you are not just accepted you're fully loved you're not just part partially accepted it's not just because that sounds good this morning it's because Yeshua is speaking this morning he's sitting at the well saying 40 miles out of my way into the middle of confusion. I'm coming to find you. It is your heart I want. Your heart. And if you're already there and you don't feel rejected, I want to tell you something this morning. He came 40 miles out of his way and he's sitting at the well again. And he says, I want to take you deeper. I want to convince you even more. I want you to feel my love in a degree that you've never felt before. I want you to drink from me again. Don't think you've got it. I'm thankful you I'm thankful you don't feel rejected but understand there's more and there's there's more there's deep calling to deep coit there's deep that's calling to deep there's needs to be a desire within us to not stay stagnant we're living water we have to move
Amen. So Yahweh, I speak over this people today that there are divine appointments coming into their life, that they are in the day of waiting, but seeing the day that they will walk right into Samaria and they will find a person and they will show not their political party and their opinions, but they will show the love of Christ in a way that will cause people not to feel rejected, but to join the kingdom, to understand who they are and who they are fully meant to be. I speak protection and love over these people. I speak prosperity in a day of famine. I speak perfect health. I speak perfect unity with you, Yahweh. I speak a fire burning within their bellies like it never has before, not just Sunday mornings. Not just on Sunday mornings, but in the, when they least expect it, Yahweh. Come and visit them in the night. Dream again. Let there be moments in their dreams where they wake up and it's undeniable that they were met with the presence of the Lord. When they're going to work, when they're going in and they're coming out, in all that they do, let your abundant presence be known. I speak that over the Rock of Bay County today. I speak that over the tribe, Yahweh. We're wait on you. We are whirling the dance this morning. We're binding together. And we are looking upon with expectation of all that you're going to do in our lives. Declare this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. I bless you today. I love you so much. I hope that these words stick true into your heart. I feel like if I could say anything about this day, it's that there is more. That there is more. That there is more. That we're waiting and it's producing more. That we're staying still and it's producing more. That we're not saying too much and it's producing more within this well within us. Amen. I love you and bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org. 